I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. I'm your host, Mark Daly, and today is Thursday, November 5th, 2020. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking forward to the weekend. It's just been busy, busy, busy around here. It's been a very hectic week, and I'm just looking forward to uh, getting it over and done, put it behind us. And what what was that uh, old song? How does it go now? Everybody's working for the weekend. Well, amen to that. I say... uh, Totally agree with that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, lots to talk about on the show tonight. Uh, unfortunately, no uh, Grand Prix this weekend. And I think it's so weird I, just how uh, how almost um, I've come to expect these uh, triple header weekends this year. In a year, the, the weirdest, bizarrest, most unusual of years that we've had. In the, and uh, considering we almost didn't have a Formula One season at, at all at one point uh, because of COVID, that uh, we, we've had this uh, really condensed and really busy schedule of uh, 17 races. I mean, we still have a handful of races to go before we get to Abu Dhabi, middle of next month. But I was looking at the schedule. I could have sworn that we had a race coming up this weekend, but uh, Turkish Grand Prix comes next weekend. So we got a weekend off. And uh, I think we've become a little bit uh, spoiled because it certainly has been a bright spot in 2020. Speaking of uh, the most unusualest of uh, things, still no results in the U.S. presidential election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. As I sit here this evening, who knows? It seems that uh, whenever I sit down and I say that uh, I expected something to happen or there hasn't been any news, as soon as I finish recording in the studio and I start processing and and, and just mixing the audio, then that's usually when uh, there, there's an announcement made. So I'm sort of, I'm not going to say I'm going to call it, but I'm just expecting, let's put it this way, that uh, by the time I get out of the studio tonight and, and call this, uh, just, just wrap this edition of Scuderia F1, that there's going to be a result in the presidential election. I mean, God knows it's taken long enough. Anyways, let's get to the business at hand. Like I said, it's been a pretty busy week in Formula One. And uh, well, there's, uh, there's a lot to talk about, not just uh, more uh, news in the aftermath of last week's uh, Romagna Grand Prix at Emila, but there's a usual mix of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, and the first one is uh, Chase Carrier, the Formula sorry Formula One CEO. He was just talking about Honda this week and the, the, the fact that they're going to be uh, leaving the sport at the end of next year, and he said that uh, their withdrawal from the sport uh, was driven by economics. I don't think there's really any big shock there. I mean, they, they said uh, at the time when they made that announcement uh, several weeks ago that they were 
refocusing uh, their efforts onto uh, their their road uh, fleet of cars and uh, as as they move towards electrification and everything like that. Anyways, uh, Chase had a couple of things uh, to to uh, mention when he ta- uh, was talking to some uh, Wall Street analysts. He had to say, "quote I guess two things on the Honda decision. I think one is that it was, from my perspective, largely driven by economic challenges at the overall Honda entity." The auto industry in general is having some challenges, and I think Honda is clearly living and struggling with those challenges. So I think that was the core issue. There's no question that there are economics around the engine that we're going to address, but I think Honda felt the pressures existed today, and they had to make some decisions. End quote. So yeah, well, I mean, obviously that that's a big uh, part of it. A Formula One program as either a constructor or an engine manufacturer, or if you're like Mercedes or Ferrari. You know, we, that you do both of those things. So obviously it is a, a mega, mega investment, but still I'm sad to see Honda go. I mean, uh, obviously this, this round uh, that they had in Formula One, starting with McLaren several years ago, didn't go very good, obviously, but I mean, they really started to put it together and uh, it, it's, it's unfortunate that they find themselves in this position that they've made this decision. I mean, well, of course they got to do what they have to do for, for their business, what to whatever makes a financial sense, but just from a, a fan's perspective in Formula One, it's just at the time when it looks like they're, they're maybe starting to turn a corner. I mean, they, they've been able to win some races here and there over the last year or so with the, with Red Bull and uh, Alpha Tauri, of course, uh, with uh, Pierre Gasly winning at Imola just uh, a month or so ago. Uh, sorry, um, uh, Monza, pardon me. And uh, it's it's a real shame that uh, that they only have one more year. Of course, uh, there, there's still a bunch of races to go this year, and who knows what's going to happen next year with them, but uh, it is a disappointing. Anyways, uh, Chase uh, did go on uh, to talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, what, what the future might look uh, look like. And uh, he had some a couple of interesting things, which I'll just get to in a moment. But he was talking more about uh, the Formula One's uh, desire for sustainability and moving towards biofuels and uh, carbon neutrality uh, by 2030. And uh, so the, there's we're, we're slowly but surely getting towards a new uh, power unit formula that's going to be introduced in 2020. So, I mean, it's still quite a ways uh, down the road. I mean, uh, we got to get out of 2020 first, which I'm sure we all can't wait to, to put behind us. But still, I mean, that that is still a very long time. You think that the, uh, the 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 power units that we have now have been were already introduced in uh, 2014? I mean, that's already quite uh, quite some time ago. So, we're going to have these uh, these engines, which they're they're fantastic and impressive pieces of technology. Don't get me wrong; these uh, V6 uh, turbo hybrid engines, but uh, to to have them around and have have this uh, basically this this type formula for a dozen years is is pretty significant in my opinion. Anyways, uh, Chase uh, went to to, to say uh, he had a couple of things to talk about the new power unit formula that will be introduced in 2026. He said, "quote I think on the flip side we are actually getting increased support, and not just from the players that are in the sport, the OEMs that are in the sport, but OEMs that aren't. They're actually incredibly enthusiastic about our sustainability future, where we're going with the next generation engine. I don't know if you saw the quote a couple." months ago from the CEO of Volkswagen. They couldn't have been more positive about where we're going and the importance of us as a platform. So I think as we continue to flush out and put more information out there about our next generation engine and our sustainability goals, we're actually getting increased support and interest from both existing partners and potential new partners about the importance uh, of that to their future, end quote. And well, I think that uh, is very, very important. I mean, however Formula One goes 
moving forward, it has to make sense. They just can't operate as their own complete detached entity and do whatever they want that doesn't uh, really uh, <laughs> make sense to, to what's happening in, in the world itself. I mean, Formula One will always be Formula One, don't get me wrong. I mean, they'll always be the things that uh, that make Formula One what it is, I hope. <laughs> I mean, I, I, well, I guess uh, the, the one big debate that never really dies is just the difference between these uh, turbo hybrid engines and the, the, the previously normally aspirated engines doesn't matter if v8s v10s v12s whatever they were i mean the it doesn't sound the same but i mean what what they're able to do this uh, the, this hybrid technology is is pretty amazing but again uh, another thing is too i mean not, not only do they have to say core or, or stay true i think to their core ethos uh, formula one but they have to reflect uh, some of the bigger goals and bigger things that are happening in the world and they have to make it uh, interesting for people uh, you know companies as either manufacturers or any engine suppliers to want to come into the sport and uh, I, I think that uh, you know in years uh, gone past where the, the the sport has been looking a little bit shaky that's always been the 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 the, the, the big problem or the concern is that there haven't been enough people uh, or companies that want to get involved uh, in as either uh, providing engines or building cars in Formula One. And I, I think that uh, they more recently, they've done a pretty good job. I and mean, we currently have uh, 10 teams. Uh, you know, we've got over 20 races in a normal year now, but uh, it, it is sad in a way to be seeing the Honda go. And uh, certainly it'd be nice to, to see them come back. Or perhaps, uh, you know, he did mention uh, the CEO of uh, Volkswagen, who was, uh, you know, quite uh, uh, quite upbeat about uh, where Formula One is heading over the, the next uh, several to 10 years. So who knows? May, maybe Honda's done. That's it. We're not going to see them again or for maybe not a very, very long time. But uh, who knows? Maybe somebody else will be looking to uh, to come into the sport. Anyways, uh, just sticking with Honda, Mercedes uh, boss, uh, Total Wolf, uh, he says uh, that uh, they can't uh, let off the gas for next year because he really feels that uh, the Honda are going to give it a big go, as he put it, for, for Red Bull in their final Formula One uh, season. And uh, it, it really has been fascinating. Uh, of course, uh, this past weekend at Imola was a, a bit of an exception. Poor old Max had that uh, that that puncture that, uh, you know, obviously knocked him out of the race when he was uh, he was going pretty good. I mean, uh, he, again, this year, I mean, he's been closer to, uh, uh, to, to Valtteri Bottas rather than, uh, than, than Lewis Hamilton. But, I mean, it goes to show you just how good of a driver is or Max Verstappen is in in a car that uh, that that isn't quite as fast as uh, the, uh, the 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 Mercedes cars. Although I guess it really does highlight the the difference uh, between uh, Lewis Hamilton and his uh, abilities as a driver and his strategy that he has on his side of the garage, uh, and just the big difference uh, between himself and and Valtteri Bottas. Okay, that's a bit of a tangent. Uh, anyways, interesting insight uh, there from from Toto. I mean, obviously Mercedes has been dominant in the sport uh, since uh, 2014, and I think that even though that uh, that they are as as, as dominant they they they, they are I, I don't think that uh, they're they're ever going to ease off and 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 really uh, you know, phone it in for <laughs> a lack of a better term, if you want to put it that way. I think that uh, this is a team that always comes to compete. They always wa- want to win. They love winning, uh, regardless if it's races or championships uh, for for the constructors or drivers, whatever it might be. And uh, I, I think it obviously is a legitimate uh, concern for them. And uh, just considering the way that uh, Ferrari's been uh, regressing over the past uh, year or so, I know they're starting to show some a uh, little bit more positive signs, uh, at least uh, with uh, Charles Leclerc, that the the big biggest threat, at least in the short term, is probably going to come from, from Red Bull and Honda. Now, whether or not uh, they, they have the resources and are they're going to be able to, to, to knock it out of the park in uh, 2021, 
That really remains to be seen. Anyways, uh, Toto had to say, quote, We always worry because you can say that this season was probably our strongest and with the biggest gap, but there were rarely more than three cars in the front. Max is also doing a fantastic job. He's probably driving better than the car is actually capable of bringing. It's like deja vu every single weekend where you have three Amigos out in the front and he's just clinging on with his fingertips to the Mercedes. Therefore, next year, Honda is going to give it a big go, I guess, in the last season and everybody at Red Bull is going to be motivated. Last but not least, Max, end quote. Absolutely. I I mean, you guys have heard me over the years say so many times that Max Verstappen is obviously a potential Formula One uh, world champion. I mean, we all know his qualities as a driver. And uh, like Toto says, he's probably out driving what the car is capable of. And uh, even though that's put him uh, a lot closer to the silver, well, the black cars this year rather than the silver ones, but uh, closer to his uh, Mercedes cars than, uh, than everybody else is quite impressive. I mean, if uh, Max has a good car underneath him, I mean, uh, sky's the limit, right? And uh, it's the the reason why he hasn't won more races and he hasn't won a championship to this point isn't largely down to him. I mean, uh, he's had a good car, but it's not been great. I mean, it's it's been one of those things that Mercedes have just been that much better than everyone else. And the the, the big difference uh, from year to year is just how big of that gap has it been to the uh, the other teams in Formula 1, be it Ferrari or Red Bull. And obviously at times those uh, gaps have been uh, quite small. I mean, if you look back to 2017, 2018, the gap between Ferrari and Mercedes was a lot closer. I mean, we, we saw those uh, the, the scarlet red Ferraris winning races occasionally. Uh, we saw Sebastian Vettel and uh, Kimi Raikkonen uh, you know, fairly regularly on the podium, and um, so yeah, it it will be interesting though to see how much uh, the Honda and uh, Red Bull are going to be able to dial it up uh, next year in uh, 2021, and uh, see if they can actually really close that ga- gap to, to to Mercedes. We'll see. It uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Anyways, uh, going back and talking uh, a little bit more about the the, the back end stuff uh, for Formula One, uh, they posted a hundred and four million dollar loss for Q3 of this year. But uh, the the good part of it is that uh, the income streams are starting to recover in Formula One, and that has to be uh, that has to be a good thing. So um, their 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 uh, their group, uh, the F1 group, that is, earned revenues of five hundred seventy sorry five hundred ninety seven million dollars for July to September, and that's compared to six hundred thirty three million dollars in twenty nineteen. So. I mean, that's a significant drop, uh, obviously, over, what is that, $36 million or what? Yeah, sorry, yeah, $36 million in uh, over the course of uh, over a year. But uh, this year, what with um, the, the global economic situation that we're dealing with, what with the fallout from COVID and all that, been very, very difficult. But uh, even though they had a $104 million loss for Q3 of this year, they had, or that's in comparison to a $30 million, sorry, $32 million profit for Q3 in 2019. So, of course, uh, the race fees, TV, and sponsorship, um, is, that, that really reflects uh, what, what's happening uh, right there. So, I mean, it, um, it is not doesn't really represent the the entire impact of uh, COVID uh, nineteen because uh, you know we've had this late start to the season, <clears throat> excuse me, and all these uh, different things, 
And uh, But it is good to see that some of the revenue streams are starting to come back online and the financial picture is starting to look a little bit rosier, even though they've uh, you know had a significant loss in, in Q3. And uh, well, I mean, eventually, whatever happens, uh, you know, we're going to get through COVID and things are going to get back to get back to normal again. And uh, that'll just be a good situation uh, for, for everyone. So anyways, uh, we were talking about this uh, last week, but uh, Saudi Arabia has announced a, a night race uh, in uh, the city of Jeddah in uh, 2021. So this is going to be uh, what we're looking at as a potentially a 22, uh, sorry, is there 22 or 23 races now? I can't remember. I don't think I've seen the com- complete provisional schedule. I think that's still pending, but uh, this has been out there for for a little bit. Uh, anyways, uh, Chase Carey, the, the, the CEO of Formula One, had to say, quote, we are excited to welcome Saudi Arabia to Formula One for the 2021 season and welcome their announcement following speculation in recent days. Saudi Arabia is a country that is rapidly becoming a hub for sports and entertainment with many major events taking place there in recent years. And we are very pleased that Formula One will be racing there from next season. The region is hugely important to us, and with 70% of the population of Saudi being under 30, we are excited about the the potential to reach new fans and bring our existing fans around the world. Exciting racing from an incredible and historic location. Uh, End quote. Anyway, he does go on to say that uh, the full provisional 2021 calendar will be published in the coming weeks, and then uh, once they uh, publish this uh, provisional uh, schedule for next year, they'll submit that uh, to the World Motorsport Council who will ultimately uh, approve that. So uh, very, very cool uh, to see that the, uh, the the schedule is coming out. I mean, we still have races uh, this year, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of like one of those things to kind of look forward to in the, over the course of a Formula One season, just to know where things are going to be going for the next year. Anyways, it's time to take a quick break here on the Overtime Media Network. And I want to talk to you guys again, uh, once again, about my bookie. Uh, because uh, there's late fall college ball, the NBA bubble, UFC Fight Island. It's clear that 2020 has been a year unlike any other, which is why you need a sports book with offers unlike any other. So get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boosts, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there really is no better time to feast on some NFL action. So whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with my bookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today, find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform giving you access to the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. So make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use my special promo code OVERTIME to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in 200 bucks, they'll match you with another 100 bucks in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money, guys. So it's a winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on all the fun and win some cash while you're at it. And once again... Use my special promo code OVERTIME to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And well, let's uh, move along. I want, I just, uh, well, yeah, I was going to say, let's look at the constructor standings and all these things. And I was thinking, well, it's kind of a foregone conclusion. Well, I mean, especially at, uh, w- with the constructors championship, since uh, Mercedes has already uh, wrapped that up. Uh, of course, uh, well, what the heck? Let's just do it anyways. Uh, Mercedes 479 points, Red Bull 226, Renault 135, McLaren 134, and Racing Point also 134 four points for the top five in the constructors and like i've been saying for the past several weeks now watch that three-way battle between renault mclaren and racing point the rest of the way as we uh, move on down the stretch uh anyways on the cons- sorry not on the constructors uh, side on the driver's side now of course it's uh, just going to be a matter of time now before lewis uh, wraps this one up again for his uh, seventh world championship and uh hamilton currently on 282 points way ahead of his teammate uh, valtteri Bottas with 197 max verstappen closing in a little bit i mean he's been there thereabouts uh, close to uh to, to Valtteri all season long max with 162 then you got danny rick with 95 and then charles leclerc uh, rounding out the top five in the drivers with uh 85 uh, points also before i get back into it i just want to give a shout out to, to jason at jmac underscore nb on uh, twitters um jason is a new uh, fan to formula one found formula one by via netflix in the the drive to survive uh season uh well i guess uh, there's two of them now so uh jason welcome to formula one uh you're part of a global community of uh passionate formula one fans and uh, glad to have you here in the scuderia f1 uh garage or pit wall or whatever you want to call whatever it is we have going on uh, so thank you for for the messages and i uh, hope uh, you uh, enjoy the rest of the season and uh hope you're a formula one fan for a, a long long time to come all right. Uh, well, let's uh, move along with uh, with the the news. Uh, we're just talking a little bit there, or hinting at it, just uh, about uh, Mercedes. So, uh, Valtteri Bottas uh, felt or said that uh, he feels that uh, Hamilton's uh, freedom with strategy at Imola last uh, weekend uh, was uh, not unfair. Uh, just uh, well, I guess. What's he going to say? I mean, uh, he's clearly the number uh, two driver. And if you're Lewis Hamilton and uh, you're a multiple world champion with that team and you help them uh, win as many races as you do, you're the the, the bona fide uh, number one driver. I think uh, regardless, you should be entitled to uh, some perks and, uh, you know, some some benefits if you're uh, you know in the position of uh, being a team number one and being a team number one uh, driver like uh, Lewis Hamilton is. Um, anyways, uh, Valtteri had to say, quote, we went through the plans on race morning and what happens if one of us gets under pressure, then there's a pro- uh, possibility that Red Bull could undercut. That was me. So obviously I had to react and it would have been the, the same case if I was in Lewis's uh, position that uh, the only thing I would want to, to do is go on along and seek the opportunities. It really paid off for Lewis. And if it were the other way around, I, it would have been the same for me, end quote. So yeah, you know, I I think that uh, he, he said it uh, properly. Recognizes the the, the situation, but um, you know, I, I think again, if you're the number one driver in the team, you should really be uh, entitled to uh, some additional perks, especially if you're uh, Lewis Hamilton. So one of the things that really compromised uh, Valtteri's uh, race was uh, running over some uh, debris at uh, the the start of the Grand Prix, which uh, damaged the floor of his uh, car. And uh, rightly, he wants to get a, an answer why there was a uh, you know a distinct absence of yellow flags after the uh, hit the debris which came off of Sebastian Vettel's car and uh, I, I think the 
this is a, you know, a, a fair thing. Anyways, uh, Bottas had to say, quote, actually, I got a warning from my engineers that they could see uh, some gravel maybe on lap two and turn seven uh, because they could see some kind of warning somewhere, but there was no yellow flag. It was a big piece of uh, debris and I didn't have enough time to react to go around it. I only had time to decide how I'm going to hit the debris and decided to go straight over it uh, instead with the tires. So it would be uh, good to get a bit more of an understanding why there was not any sign of uh, a big piece of carbon, because obviously it's dangerous if there's flying things around. But it sure didn't help my race, end quote. And yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, uh, it's obviously a a safety issue. And the piece uh, that came off of uh, Sebastian Vettel's car was, uh, you know, was pretty significant. I mean, he had, um, I think he had a bit of a coming together there with uh, with Kevin Magnussen uh, on uh, on the opening lap. Uh, They were both uh, there, thereabouts, uh, you know, in that, uh, the, the running order just after the start. And, uh, of course, uh, w- when it comes to the, uh, the, the, the situation that, uh, okay, I can't avoid this, uh, de- 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 the debris. The best thing I can do is just to decide how I'm going to go over it, you know, either go uh, straight over it and hope it passes underneath the car, run over the, t- run it over the tires and risk a, uh, a, a puncture or even more, more dangerously having the thing, uh, fly up after it goes underneath the wheels. Uh, and when it becomes, uh, the, 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 like an injury potential for another car, car or perhaps a track uh, worker or heaven forbid uh, a spectator if it managed to fly uh, that far so i think uh, there, there there should be some answers uh, given for that because uh, when it comes down to a safety issue and uh, there there's questions about anything like that uh, that there should definitely be some answers so sticking with that uh, the uh, the engineers at the, at the team didn't actually believe that the sensors uh, indicated that uh, that Valtteri Bottas had lost up to 50 downpo- downforce points after hitting that uh, Ferrari debris on uh, on lap 2 so um, the telemetry in the car uh, initially uh, signaled to the pit wall that uh, that Bottas was having some sort of performance deficit but uh, the team really did not know how big of a problem it was because uh, you know Valtteri was still uh, in the lead and he was doing uh, pretty good. Anyways, uh, Andrew Shovlin, uh, the track uh, engineer director to Mercedes said, quote, we are seeing a big drop in performance, but the issue in the scale of the drops in terms of lap time, if you translate it to lap time, it was seven or eight tenths of a second. We weren't really uh, believing the sensors because we were looking at how Valtteri was not uh, pushing particularly hard and able to do reasonable lap times when he, we needed to. We could build a bit of a gap and it's very dis- difficult to put an absolute uh, lap time loss on these uh, because they can often often affect the car in quite a non-linear way around the circuit or different behavior in different directions and corners. But early on, we couldn't really believe how big it was, end quote. But yeah, seven, eight, tenths of a second, that's pretty significant. Uh, that, uh, you know, especially if uh, you're, uh, you know, driving a car that is uh, good and as fast as the Mercedes, or well, I mean, any car, really. I mean, if you're going to be uh, doing whatever you're capable of and then uh, dropping off uh, up to seven, eight, uh, tenths of a second uh, after like uh, something like that, uh, almost instantaneously, that is a, a significant hit. You know, no pun intended uh, to the performance of uh, of the of the race car. Anyways, uh, Hamilton, uh, Lewis, back to him again. He says uh, that he feels that uh, winning Constructors' Championships uh, with the Mercedes is almost more exciting than the individual successes that he's had uh, winning multiple World Championships and the Drivers' uh, Championship uh, over the past uh, number of years. 
anyways, uh, Lewis had to say, quote, it's a very strange sport in the sense that uh, this is as a team sports, but there are two championships and then there's an individual championship. But uh, what is at our core? Our job is to deliver points and results for the team. When you win a champ- team championship, I think it's almost better than the individual because it's something you do collectively with a large group of people. Whilst we are the ones standing on the top of the podium, we are not above anybody. We are on the same level. We are all part of the chain links. You can tell everyone is happy when they get the constructor's title. When we do the Christmas party and we celebrate with everyone, everyone just knows that they did a remarkable job and that they have done something that nobody else has done before. That's cool to be a part of. Even if I was uh, to stop today, that would be something I would be able to share with that large group of people for the rest of my life, end quote. So yeah, interesting uh, that uh, that he's uh, put uh, quite a twist on that. And I don't think uh, he's uh, really... Uh what do you say, lessening the importance or the, the, the significance of winning a constructor's, or sorry, a, a driver's championship uh, because he's already won six of them. I think that uh, that he just uh, appreciates uh, just uh, the, the amount of effort that it goes into building the, and designing these cars and the fact that, uh, that this team has been able to do it uh, each and every year for so many years now. And I know that uh, I say this all the time on the program, but it really is remarkable. It, it's one thing uh, to, to build a car that's uh, good and then uh, have a good season, but to continually do that and uh, just to each and every year just come out and be that much more, uh, you know, ahead of everybody else is, it is really remarkable, like uh, the, the Lewis says. And and again, I think uh, just reading between the lines again, uh, Lewis, uh, when he says, even if I was to stop today, that would be something I would be able to share with that large group of people for the rest of my life. So, uh, you know, that that is interesting, uh, you know, <laughs> Lewis, of course, uh, is out of contract at the end of the year. And I mean, I would think that uh, that there is going to get a new deal to get done uh, between Lewis Hamilton and uh, Mercedes. But I mean, the fact that uh, that he's kind of dropped these hints now once or twice and over the past week or two really kind of wonders or really makes me wonder where he's at and uh, what, what he's planning for the future. I, I can't believe that, uh, you know, he, he wouldn't want to try for a, for another season or two, uh, considering that, that he is on the verge of time. Uh, Michael Schumacher's uh, seven world championships this year and then has the opportunity next year uh, providing he has a good car which uh, he always does would you would think that uh, he would be in an ideal situation uh, going into 2021 to really make a push to get that eighth uh, world championship and really become uh, that uh, you know that 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 new benchmark of uh, success in Formula One so this, of course, is going to be a developing story, and until it gets confirmed one way or another, we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm still leaning more to to, to the side that uh, I, I think that Lewis will be in Formula One in uh, in 2021. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> this is. <laughs> I wish you guys could look at the picture that I'm looking at here. That uh, that, that I had. I, I had to leave it up. Uh, it's part of my notes. It's just uh, a picture for um, uh, you know last weekend's race at Imola, and it's uh, on motorsport.com. It's a picture of Lewis uh, taking a sip out of uh, Danny Ricardo's uh, racing boot, uh, doing a, a shoey, which uh, I was really surprised that he actually uh, decided to imbibe in a shoey because. Uh, <laughs> 
probably remember that famous quote, which I think I got played uh, after the race uh, a couple of uh, last weekend uh, that Hamil- Hamilton wouldn't do that because of the, uh, the the toe jam, famous toe jam quote. But uh, he did do it. And I was quite surprised. Uh, you know, Lewis, sometimes I think he's happy to do that. He's not really kind of out there. I mean, uh, Ricardo can be, I mean, he's a bit flamboyant a little bit. I wouldn't say eccentric, but uh, you know, the shoey and drinking champagne out of your racing boot. That for me is a very Danny Ricardo thing. And it's not just because he's been doing it for the past number of years. I think even when he first did the shoey uh, a number of years ago now, that uh, if anybody would have done it, it just seemed that uh, it was most appropriate that it would be Danny Ricardo. And uh, and Lewis, all credit to him for for doing that. Uh, but the, the, the way that he's got his eyes closed and the, this sort of... Uh, bit of a grimace on his face is really quite uh, quite uh, quite priceless but uh, I, I previously had not really considered Lewis Hamilton <laughs> one of the shoey crowd but uh, I guess he joins a bit of an elite group because not only has uh, Danny Ricardo done it Sir Patrick Stewart uh, did it with uh, Ricardo at Montreal a couple of years ago and Mark Webber uh, also formula, former Formula One uh, driver so I mean it, it is kind of a small and exclusive uh, club Although I, I don't know, uh, is that really a club you want to be a part of? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Lewis had to say, quote, it definitely didn't taste great. I mean, uh, I don't really like champagne as it is, but it definitely tastes worst. Uh, but what's positive is that Daniel's mom thinks I was a good sport, so I'm grateful for that. I think Daniel said that uh, I'd once said never, that I would never do it. So there's a lesson, never say never. It was a good moment, end quote. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, so good. Just look at my notes here. The first time... Uh, Danny Rick did it was at uh, the German Grand Prix back in, uh, in in 2016. So there you go. Uh, the shoe he's been around for a while and who knows, probably not going to go anywhere anytime soon if Ricardo has his uh, way. Anyways, uh, time for a break here on the Overtime Media Network. Uh, don't go away. I'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
All right. Well, welcome back to, to Scuderia F1. And this is an interesting uh, story that I came across uh, today. And that is uh, Ferrari team principal Mattia Bonato says the relationship that he has uh, with uh, Toto Wolff and Mercedes is uh, what he calls a sporting rivalry rather than a hatred. Anyways, this is more of a, a reaction from uh, Bonato to some of the things, especially that have come from uh, from Total Wolf uh, over the course of uh, the the year. He was uh, pretty outspoken and uh, had some pretty pointed things uh, to say uh, just about the struggles that uh, Ferrari have had, um, and also the issues that they had. Uh, what with the the, the, the power units and uh, that secret agreement that they had with the FIA during last off season. In uh, the, the quote that uh, came from Toto at the time was uh, quote another complete BS story. Technical directives. There's a clear, clear regulation on power units. Um, and quote, uh, the other quote uh, that uh, that came out uh, this year was uh, just uh, the, the the problems that uh, Ferrari are having. And uh, he felt that it's uh, because of the choices that are made by certain people in power at, uh, at Ferrari. And uh, he said uh, this time, quote, it's maybe that uh, the decisions that have been made within the team from certain members of the team, end quote. So anyways, uh, even though he's had some pointed uh, things uh, to, to say towards uh, Ferrari, uh, Bonato says that uh, he doesn't really see there's any tension or hatred uh, between the two teams. And uh, anyways, he did address it in an interview with Sky Italia, and he said, quote, do we hate each other? In a sporting respect, uh, he is my main appointment who has been winning for many years, but is not hatred. There is a respect and a desire to beat him, but not for the sake of beating Toto and Mercedes. It is to bring Ferrari back to the top and at the place where it deserves to be. Uh, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's it's an interesting situation, isn't it? Uh, you know, especially when it comes to whether or not uh, you know the the term you know the the rivalry that uh, they they have. I mean, the, the the rivalry, it's it's going to be there. But I think that uh, when when you a rivalry is more amplified, it's uh, it, it's it's more I think important. Maybe not so much uh, important as the term I'm thinking of or, or want to put out there, but I think the the rivalry is uh, definitely uh, you know it's more highlighted when the teams are more equal. Like uh, go back uh, to, to 2018 when Ferrari were winning a fair amount of races and uh, they they were pretty close in terms of uh, performance uh, to the Mercedes uh, that year, and uh, they they've kind of tailed off uh, ever since. But certainly I. I do understand where where Bonato was uh, coming from. Uh, certainly, I think that uh, I, th- I think opponent I think is the best way uh, to, to put it, uh, or that uh, that he put it there. Uh, you know, because rivalries rivalries kind kind of come and go, and I think that uh, the the key part of this uh, quote uh, from uh, Mattia Bonato is uh, that uh, you know they they do have a desire to beat Mercedes, but as he says, it's to quick you know to bring Ferrari back to the top and uh, not uh, just. Uh, because they want to beat uh, Total Wolf and uh, Mercedes. And uh, the, of course, the second part of that quote I thought was very interesting uh, when he said he wants to bring Ferrari back to the top, which is the place that it deserves to be. So, well, that one uh, might be uh, <laughs> might be open to debate, uh, to debate depending on uh, you know whether you love or hate uh, Ferrari, but uh, certainly very interesting.
So uh, just uh, sticking with the Ferrari and just uh, talking very quickly just uh, about some of the upgrades that uh, that they've introduced over uh, recent uh, races. And it looks like uh, that they've certainly done, made some improvements that have helped uh, get a little bit more performance out of the uh, the SF1000. And uh, certainly these, uh, you know, a combination of up and retrogrades are, uh, you know, things that they needed to, to do. But certainly, you know, they have a lot of work uh, left in front of them to uh, to really build and and, and field a competitive car. It's one thing to, to, to find some of this uh, performance over the course of the season, but I mean, you still just look at the difference uh, between Charles Leclerc and uh, Sebastian Vettel. I mean, it, it is a night and day and that's just, uh, you know, within the team itself and, uh, you know, compared to where they are now to compared where they want to be, which is obviously going to be much uh, closer to Mercedes is, um, you know, a very, very, very big gap uh, at the moment. And certainly I think if you're a fan of a Ferrari and uh, you really want to see your team back up there and, and fighting for race wins and championships and all that. The fact that, uh, you know, many of the, the, the people, the brass have come out over the course of this year to say that, uh, you know, they, they really aren't expecting to be competitive again until the new, uh, the, the new sporting regs come into effect in 2022. And we get these uh, new cars has to be a little bit, uh, you know, disheartening. I mean, sure. We're basically going on, you know, developments, of the 2019 car over the next, uh, you know, for, for last year, this year, and again for next year. So there's only so much that you can do it. Then of course, uh, with the cost cap coming in and then this, uh, token system for development and now, you know, how you can spend your tokens, the limited amount of tokens that you have in, in different areas of your car, you know, it's, it really is, you know, it's interesting because they they made some improvements here and there, but how much more can they really get out of this uh, the, this platform that they've been uh, stuck with for the last uh, year and a half? And I think that's why that even though it must be disappointing if you're a Ferrari fan to hear that uh, you know you're gonna have to wait till at least 2022 until your team is expecting themselves to be competitive again in a best case scenario. That uh, it shouldn't really be all that uh, surprising on uh, on the on the flip side of that uh, discussion. Just in the you know just based on the fact that uh, they've been stuck kind of in limbo for the past uh, year and a bit, and uh, it it certainly has been a bit of a fascinating and frustrating story to watch. Uh, just as uh, you know, especially as it culminated with that uh, you know secret agreement for whatever transgression that they found in those uh, Ferrari units uh, power units at the end of last year. So. Anyways, uh, we will uh, move along now and uh, we'll talk about Racing Point. There was a number of uh, stories in Racing Point uh, this week. And one of the things uh, that was very interesting last week in the uh, at, at, uh, at Imola was the fact that they pitted Sergio Perez uh, so late in the race and that uh, cost him uh, an opportunity at the podium. And uh, after it was all said and done, it was Danny Ricardo for Renault coming uh, home in third, which was his second podium in three, uh, three races, which was uh, great to see for him. But uh, you know, couldn't help feel a bit, a uh, bit uh, disappointed and feel a little bit, uh, cheated, I feel, is a, is a good word for uh, Sergio Perez to have to go in and and lose out on that uh, potential podium, uh, you know, so so late in the race. So, I mean, after it was all said and, uh, said and done because of the late uh, pit stop, uh, Pro Checo Perez actually ended up uh, dropping from third all the way down uh, to sixth. So, I mean, he went from 11th on the grid uh, and they had a very, very long opening stint and he got all the way up to fourth and then he switched to hard tires uh, to, to run all the way to 
the checkered flag. And, uh, well, there, there was an issue after um, the, the safety car that uh, came out after uh, Max uh, had the puncture and crashed and there, you know, ended up uh, bogged down in the gravel. The team was uh, concerned that uh, Sergio would actually have trouble getting into the heat back into those hard tires at the restart. And, uh, well, I mean, it was, it was unfortunate. Anyways, uh, Anyways, Andrew Green, the technical director of Racing Point, uh, did come out uh, this week and uh, just to uh, explain the situation from the team's point of view that saw Checo uh, drop uh, off the podium down to six. Anyways, uh, Andrew had to say, quote, The race was going our way completely. Up until the safety car, Checo maneuvered himself with great pace up to fourth. He overtook the pack by going longer on the medium tires. He drove really well. The car was really strong, and we were very happy where it was going. And the worst possible scenario was a safety car, and that was not really how we were geared up. Unfortunately, it was going to be a difficult decision, that one. We were on the hard tires. The car had been set up quite specifically for the long runs, and for the race, we were incredibly nervous about having to restart the hard tires behind the safety car, and I think we would have struggled. So the safest thing to do, and we thought it was the most logical thing to do, was to swap him for a set of the new softer tires so that we didn't have to worry about that. We thought the other people might do the same, but a lot depends on how they were set up for the race, end quote. So there you go. Disappointing uh, for Sergio Perez. Uh, he certainly did uh, very, very well. But if uh, it was uh, an issue that, uh, that that he was going to have a lot of uh, problem getting heat back into those tires, then I guess there really wasn't uh, too many other choices that the that the team had other than to, to bring Sergio in for a very, very late uh, pit stop. Anyways, uh, the FAA has decided to uh, ban what they call 3D camera tri- tricks. And uh, this is, uh, you know, I guess, uh, fallout or the aftermath of the whole racing point at pink uh, Mercedes uh, issue that's been going on ever since winter testing all the way back in in February of this uh, year. Uh, and this has really been going on for a long time. I mean, there were protests uh, lodged by the many teams for quite a number of races. Uh, you know, Renault uh, most uh, notably, I mean, they were eventually able to, to get them on the brake ducts uh, that were, uh, you know, uh, you know supposedly uh, identical to the ones that, uh, that uh, Mercedes had used uh, last year. But uh, anyways, uh, they were found of illegally using the uh, Mercedes uh, design uh, with uh, for, for the rear brake ducts. So, of course, uh, they were fined 400,000 euros, docked 15 uh, points in the Constructors' uh, Championships. And then, uh, so they were quite concerned at the FAA that uh, Racing Point's uh, tactics uh, of using these uh, 3D cameras and complex software systems and everything like that, um, they've decided uh, to uh, to do something about it because they felt that that could really open the door for other teams in uh, up and down the grid to uh, you know go down that same that same road that uh, that racing point did um and uh, and 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 use the imagery that they get uh, from a uh, you know a successful rival uh, like they did uh, with uh, Mercedes and uh, you through the computer modeling uh, copy those designs and apply them themselves i mean uh, they they were quite uh, forthcoming about it uh, saying that uh, even though that uh, they'd followed that uh, design principle of uh, last year's uh, Mercedes W Ten that uh, that the, the the difference that they saw in performance was initially quite negative, and it uh, took uh, quite a bit of work to, to get it sorted out and really get to a point where they were uh, you know become more uh, competitive. And I think that uh, it's. Uh, 
it's unfortunate uh, that it has been such a you know a controversy. But again, on the other side, every team is supposed to build uh, a unique uh, car, and uh, it's it's one thing to kind of uh, maybe uh, use another team for 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 inspiration because they've uh, uncovered something that uh, that obviously works. But it's a completely different uh, thing, uh, completely different. Uh, situation when they're they're using cameras and 3d uh, modeling and stuff like that to uh to, to really almost make a copy of the uh you know their their rival's car although it, uh, it took them quite a while to sort it out and get it competitive you know i i think that's uh, probably a a fair move uh by by the faa to uh you know <laughs> to ban 3d cameras and these uh, sorts of things let's let's keep it unique i mean that's what that's what formula one is about you've got uh you know 10 teams and they should all have a completely uh, u- unique uh, car that they they designed to build and race uh, every uh, every year. So another one uh, here from a Racing Point, and uh, they feel that uh, their driver Lance Stroll needs what they call a, a bit of a hug. So he's had uh, you know a bit of a rough time. Uh, you know uh, recently he's had some bad accidents, like he had a Mugello, then he got uh, COVID after the Russian uh, Grand Prix, and he just uh, really isn't in the zone. Uh, he's he's lost his mojo for for lack of a, a better term. So it's it's unfortunate. Um, uh, anyways, uh, you know there it was uh, there was a couple of interesting uh, quotes out there, and uh, certainly it uh, it's it's kind of a, a funny one again from uh, technical director uh, Andrew Green at Racing Point who said, "quote From where he was at Monza to where he's at now, he's definitely had a lack of confidence. I think the illness did knock it out of him. That's something that we hadn't really foreseen. Uh, we'd heard about the length of time it can take to recover." from the illness and I think it is taking uh, some time he just needs to get his confidence uh, back again believe in himself again uh, anyways, uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Green does, goes on to say, quote, he's obviously taken quite a battering physically and mentally. It can be quite a, a big accident in Mugello, so I think that probably dented his confidence and then uh, not to be fit for a couple of races. It's a really fine margins. Half of it, uh, he probably just needs a bit of an arm around him, a bit of a hug, and say, come on, let's pull yourself together now and let's get on with this over the last few races, end quote. Yeah, I mean, we all need a hug every once in a while, but uh, <laughs> is that really what Lance Stroll needs to really, uh, you know, get get back and uh, get a bit back of a, or get a confidence back in his game, back into his driving? But uh, who knows? Certainly couldn't help. So there we go. Uh, get, give Lance a hug. So uh, Andrew Green, since you're the one that suggested it, why don't you go first? Anyways, uh, time for one final break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back to finally get to the last segment of the show and uh, stick with us. Still a bunch of things to talk about. We'll do that in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to Scootery F1. And yes, still a couple of stories to talk about uh, before we dim the lights and uh, and shut the door and call it another night here in the Scootery F1 studio. Anyways, Haas driver Kevin Magnussen uh, decided or he came out and explained the gearbox issue he had at Imola last weekend, uh, which caused uh, a headache, which I thought it was a, a very interesting, uh, you know, uh, race communication where he uh, he, he told uh, that just uh, the way that the, uh, the, the the car was behaving. He said to the, you know, over the radio to the pits, that he was getting a headache uh, because of that. Anyways, uh, he said at the time, quote, I'm getting a massive headache from all these upshifts. It's like a massive kick in the head every time. And 
end quote. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, he did retire from uh, from the race. Anyways, uh, Kevin uh, did go on to say, quote, we had a problem with the gearbox and we uh, had that yesterday as well on my fastest lap in qualifying, but that problem came back in the race. It was fr- from there, from the, the first lap, I was having slow upshifts. Not only are they slow, it's like a big bang. Every time you upshift, uh, it seems okay for a couple of laps and it starts shaking your head crazily. By the end of it, I just got a massive headache. I told the team and they were like, uh, we have uh, nothing to fight for. So they boxed me, end quote. So, you know, that that is uh, kind of interesting uh, to, to hear that it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, these slow upshifts that were were causing that. And it also really goes to, to, to show how they really can feel each and everything uh, in the uh, in the car when they're, they're, they're out there. Anyways, uh, Haas team principal uh, Gunther Steiner uh, accepts that if he decides to go with a pair of uh, rookie drivers uh, for 2021, that it uh, could be quite uh, quite risky. Uh, Haas, of course, uh, announcing just a, a couple of weeks ago now that uh, that they've uh, decided not to bring back uh, Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen for for 2021. I mean, they've been uh, team uh, you, know, uh, you know partners there, teammates uh, for a couple of uh, number of years now. And um, uh, Roman Grosjean, of course, uh, was with the team when they came into Formula One back in 2016. So, yeah, it is a completely different uh, direction that they're going to go in. But uh, like I said, uh, you know, not so long ago on the program that uh, that that has they just need a bit uh, of a of a breath of uh, fresh air. There's uh, you know something that uh, just needs to get this team. Uh, I think they just need something just to uh, really get uh, get the wind back in their sails. Uh, because they they've obviously had some some issues over the past uh, year or two, and of course uh, this year, what with the Ferrari power unit not being the greatest, that's just going to make it uh, all that more uh, difficult. Anyways, uh, Gunther uh, had to say uh, on the subject: "Quote: We haven't decided to take two rookies, but I can easily talk you through my th- thoughts about uh, two rookies. Uh, we discuss this and." <clears throat> the risks and the opportunities with them. There's obviously a risk that two rookies, uh, they they have uh, nobody experience uh, to look at uh, for the data and stuff like this. They need to uh, find out between them what is going on and there's a risk that it goes wrong. But the pros are that you can put them in the direction that you want to put them and they grow with uh, the team. Uh, because it was never done, it doesn't mean it doesn't work. For sure there is a risk that it doesn't work, but I don't want to be ignorant to that one, end quote. And yeah, it's, it's it's going to be interesting too. I mean, there are a number of good drivers available uh, for for next year. I mean, Nico Hulkenberg is uh, one of them, and uh, you know that it would be interesting to see if he does get a drive in Formula One again. But uh, certainly, I think um, it, it wasn't a surprise that uh, that Haas decided to let go uh, one of those uh, drivers. Uh, I, I think that uh, would have been uh, expected. But I was not expecting them to to, to to let go both Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen. I thought one of them would go, just not both of them at. Uh, at the at the same time. Anyways, uh, talking now about Alpha Tauri, and uh, they said that uh, the luck that he had coming home in fourth at uh, at Imola this past weekend was uh, not uh, just down to pure luck. Anyways, uh, Franz Tost, who is the uh, the, the team principal uh, at uh, Alpha Tauri, said, "Quote: Let me say it in this way: We are not lucky. We took the right decision because uh, the other teams could have uh, done it uh, the same. Some of them did it, some not, and we did it, and we got something out of it. Three places at the end because seventh and afterwards he was uh, fourth. He overtook uh, Perez, Leclerc, and Albon and finished 
finished in the fourth position just behind Ricardo. And more laps to go, I think he would have had a good chance to take, overtake him, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think that uh, Kvyat sometimes kind of falls uh, between the, uh, the, the the cracks a little bit. I mean, uh, years ago in his first go-round uh, in, in Formula 1, he kind of made the, 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 the headlines for all the wrong reasons. And they had a year to sit out when he was a simulator driver at Ferrari. And uh, I think he learned a little bit there. I think he uh, matured a little bit. Uh, he's He's been a better driver since he came back uh, to, to Formula 1. But uh, again, just to say that uh, that he got that fourth position just through a bit of luck uh, because of the safety car and all those sorts of things, uh, yeah, that's a little bit unfair. I think that uh, that, that Tost is right in uh, defending him, and I think that uh, that he made a, a good point. So just uh, sticking with uh, Alpha Tauri, his uh, teammate uh, Pierre Gasly had to uh, retire from the race, uh, which uh, which was disappointing. Uh, but uh, it was a weld failure that uh, led to a loss of uh, water pressure in the car, which uh, was uh, uh, disappointing uh, for the uh, the winner of the Italian Grand Prix. Anyways, uh, Gasly had to say, quote, this one is quite hard, especially for our home race here in Imola. All weekend was going so well until now. Very sad to retire, but the guys spotted a drop of water pressure already on the laps uh, to, to the grid, so they tried everything on the grid to fix it. And unfortunately, it didn't work out, which meant we had to retire after a couple of laps. You always hope for the best. It was a great start. The reaction time was really good. I tried to go alongside Lewis, uh, but decided it was too close, quite hard, and I had to back out uh, from it, end quote. Yeah, very, very disappointing. Uh, but uh, hopefully they can get that uh, sorted out uh, for the future. Anyways, uh, George Russell had uh, quite a moment at Imola last uh, weekend. Of course, the uh, young Williams driver put it into the wall uh, when he was not racing. He was just uh, falling behind the, uh, the, the the safety car, which uh, it does not look great when you have a uh, <laughs> an accident on your own like that. But uh, you couldn't help uh, feel bad uh, for, for the fellow. Anyways, uh, Total Wolf uh, at Mercedes uh, uh, he actually stepped up to defend uh, George Russell, who, of course, uh, came through the the, the Mercedes uh, Driver Academy program. Uh, anyways, uh, Toto had to say, quote, this is all part of the development process. What makes Lewis and Valtteri so special and uh, before Nico uh, was the experience they gained. I think everybody needs to put a car in the wall behind the safety car. We've seen that from the most experienced ones and making mistakes under pressure. And I think what George has done today happened to, to the best ones. Uh, it feels awful for him right now, but but it's going to sink in, uh, like uh, be like a scar, and he's going to be a better driver in the future. End quote. So yeah, I mean, uh, I hope so. Certainly uh, for for uh, for George Russell. I mean, he's been very good. I think uh, in a car that is uh, not that great and not that competitive to to get into. Q2 like he's done on a number of occasions uh, this year uh, in, in a car that clearly isn't as uh, competitive and uh, and as fast as everyone else, although it's it's better than it was uh, probably was uh, last year, is uh, it was disappointing for the guy and uh, it, it was sad to see. I mean, uh, you, you could feel the uh, the the emotion, the frustration and the the embarrassment that he was feeling at the time when he was uh, just sitting there just behind the uh, the, the, the wall with the with the marshals. And uh, I, I think he'll, uh, he'll he'll be a good driver. He already is a good driver, and uh, Fernando Alonso believes that uh, that Russell is the best of the the current crop of uh, young drivers. So it's just a, a question of how he uh, rebounds uh, from that and uh, and learns from it and comes back. Anyways, that is it. I've run out of things uh, to talk about. Like I say, no race uh, this weekend, uh, which is uh, disappointing on one uh, one front. But uh, well, there's plenty of other things uh, to do. The weather's been especially nice here on the west coast of uh, of Canada uh, the last. Uh, 
uh, well, last couple of days, it's also been uh, typical Pacific Northwest weather at, uh, at other times with, uh, with heavy rains and winds and uh, everything uh, you would associate with this part of the world. Uh, if you thought that's the kind of, um, uh, the, the, the kind of autumn that we were having uh, up until a couple of days ago, you were certainly spot on. Anyways, uh, thank you so very much uh, for downloading and listening to the show. If you want to get in touch, uh, easiest way is on Twitter at f one pod or via email at scooteriaf1pod at gmail.com. Like I say, thank you so very, very much uh, for downloading and listening to the show. And uh, that's it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Have a great weekend. And I'll talk to you guys again very, very soon. Bye for now. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.